Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-hosts, Paddy and Dr. Nicola Flanagan this week. I haven't been on the podcast for a few weeks because I've just been, you know, taking time off as as always, really like dosing. Um, but it's good to be back. Hope uh, my colleagues have been keeping you entertained, infotained, informed over the last few weeks. No doubt they have. And um, yeah, so what are we talking about today, Paddy? Um, well, today we're talking about boob jobs. Um, no, but seriously, we are actually talking about boob jobs today. Yes, we are. And potentially also mastectomies. Depends on how much we get covered in the first section of this. Um, and this seems like something that you're like, what the fuck are you talking about boob jobs? <laughs> you know, but this is actually something that a lot of people in the health and fitness world, you know, experience. Experience, is that the right word? You know, they go through, they get boob jobs, they get breast augmentation, as Gary says we should call it. Um, but they get boob jobs, okay? And there's not actually a lot of information out there. There's quite poor information out there in reality. And a lot of this is just, you know, women having to, oh, I know this person that, you know, got a breast augmentation when they were going for their bikini competition or whatever. So I'm going to ask them how they trained around it or whatever. It's a lot of word of mouth. There's no, oh, here's an online resource of exactly what you should do. And then, as I say, with all these stuff, like I, you know, scour the internet and I'm like, what are, like, what are people exposed to? If I just typed in training, boob job, like, what do I get? Right. And a lot of the information out there is it's quite poor. It's not, it's, it's never going to be personalized if it's just random information online, but it's not personalizable. You know, it's just saying like, do this at week six, do this. You know, it's not very nuanced, you know? So we want to cover a little bit about that. On the mastectomy side of things, that's obviously something that, you know, hopefully not a lot of people have to experience, but it is something that some women are going to have to go through for a variety of reasons. And we'll, we'll go through that as well. So we have to know what, what how does that impact on training, you know? So we're basically covering today some sort of surgery to do with the breasts and then training around that, you know? There probably are some implications for diet and, you know, lifestyle and whatever else, but we're not going to focus too much on that today. We're going to focus purely on the training side of things along with, you know, the surgeries and stuff. So who wants to uh, field the question? What, what's a boob job? You can lead the way, Nicholas. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I suppose um, breast augmentation, there, there's many reasons why, um women might um get one but like you're saying it's it's particularly a lot of women in in the fitness industry um particularly bodybuilders might get a breast augmentation and so so it's the breasts are made up of a couple of different um tissues but they're they're mostly fat but you also have kind of glandular tissue in there and you have some connective tissue as well but they are mostly made up of fatty tissue so that's why when particularly when women are dieting and particularly in bodybuilding, when they get down to a really low body fat percentage, like we do see, you know, that reduce, obviously. Um, and then what a lot of women find then is that when they start gaining weight is that they might not, um, it might not go back on onto their breasts. And obviously it's a, it's a highly like, you know, personal thing. Um, but um, a lot of women might get it when they're competing just to feel, I suppose, a little bit more um, feminine, um, you know, um, but obviously it's, it's something that's not necessary for when you're competing. It's just like a completely um, personal choice that a lot of women, um, that some women, I suppose, um, you know, get. Um, but there's lots of different, there's a few different types um, of breast augmentation you can get. Um, which will obviously be down to kind of you and your surgeon, what kind of like desire kind of look you're going for. Um, but typically you can get implants either kind of um, over the muscle or you can get it um, underneath um, the muscle. And there's a couple of different differences between that. So um, over the muscle, um, there'll kind of be a shorter kind of recovery time for that. Um, under the muscle, they they cut through kind of your, your, your pec um, major. It gives kind of more of a natural appearance. And then over time, the implant kind of sits into the breasts a little bit more. Um, but because you are cutting through that muscle, um, it, it is a longer um, recovery time for that. Um, Another thing about that as well, if you are going um, under the muscle, particularly if you're someone, you know, like a powerlifter kind of doing a lot of kind of chest exercises, um, 
when you go under the muscle, um, the the implants kind of can move out when you're contracting um, the pecs. So again, over time, if you're doing kind of, you know, a lot of volume, a lot of chest um, exercises, it can kind of lead to this kind of what we call like an animation deformity where the, the, the implants actually kind of move out to the side. Can James say on that? No, not on that specifically. That's cool. Yeah. One of the other things about like over, under, you know, depending on which one you get. Um, if you already go into this with a lot of muscle, that does actually kind of change things a little bit. Like say, for example, you're someone that's been training for, I don't know, whatever, let's say just 10 years. And again, let's say you're, you're a power lifter, you've been doing a lot of bench press as well. So your chest is relatively well developed. Like that is going to be different than someone going in and they have very little chest muscle, you know, going into the surgery, first of all, like that's going to impact on you know recovery times, et cetera, but it's also going to impact on like a whole host of things downstream of that, you know? So even though we're talking about, you know, Oh, it's just like over or under or whatever, like it, it really does depend on the individual, what they have going on in their life. And that's obviously then going to impact on what our, or well, not our recommendations, but what the recommendations are for them as someone that's trying to train around this, you know? Um, in my experience, I've trained a few like bikini girls, a few like people that are, you know, have had breast augmentations and stuff. Like a lot of people often choose under the muscle purely because it looks like quote unquote more natural. Um, but I have seen a few people choose over the muscle purely based on the fact that the recovery time is shorter and they want to get back to training quicker you know and like that's obviously a personal the choice but i think it's a little bit short-sighted in terms of yeah okay you're gonna have to wait a couple of weeks uh, to, for recovery but if you get a better result in terms of what you're actually looking for overall in terms of the look and all that kind of stuff like you're probably better off going for under the muscle in most cases but this is something that you have to obviously talk with your surgeon with you have to talk to your doctor like there could be a whole host of confounding factors why you have to go for over the muscle versus under the muscle whatever um but it is something to consider from the outset you know it's like what are you actually looking for and this is again this is one of the areas where you know it probably is best to also talk to other people who have had breast augmentation in terms of you might go oh this person has a really nice look that's exactly what i want to get what did they do you know versus just going into your your, your surgeon going into whatever medical clinic or whatever that just do boob jobs. And that's what they sell. You know, they're obviously going to try to sell you what they want to do versus what you actually want to get. Now, obviously there's that interplay. That's the same with any business. Um, but if you know, Oh, I actually really prefer the over the muscle look, or I really prefer the under the muscle look, or I really prefer X, Y, Z, whatever it depends, you know, um, that is something that you should go into the consultation or whatever, knowing a little bit more, about you know um so either of you do you have anything to say on just a general boob job in general <laughs> i suppose just one thing is to note that um because this does come up in in some health cases that you know there are different types of of implants that that you can receive in terms of whether they're saline or silicone or a combination of both so um that technology has obviously changed over the years but one of the concerns that comes up time and time again is uh, in relation to breastfeeding. So um, and that's obviously relevant to the podcast we've had previously in relation to pregnancy. You know, women might think, am I going to have poorer milk production? Am I not going to be able to breastfeed? Am I going to pass on silicone to the baby? And this has been pretty well, you know, studied. It doesn't seem like there's much of a difference in terms of the rates of women that end up going on to have successful breastfeeding between those who've had an augmentation versus not. And when you compare um, normal breast milk levels of silicone to those with, you know, silicone implants, which might be of concern, uh, there doesn't seem to be a significant difference there either. So um, I know that's one area uh, of, of concern. And I suppose the other one then is that in relation to the health side of things would be um, breast cancer is a question that comes up and, two kind of levels to this one is there an increase in, in risk of the de development of breast cancer and um, maybe because of the procedure itself or what you're putting into the breast and uh, it doesn't seem like that's the case from like my understanding of the evidence uh, but there's it's kind of a to some degree it's a difficult question because the the rates at which like any type of cancer are diagnosed 
are heavily dependent on the point at which screening takes place and obviously what you're identifying on screening. And in order for someone to effectively, you know, diagnose uh, breast cancer, they need to be able to, you know, let's say identify or palpate a lump, you know, for example, or mammography needs to demonstrate a particular sign. And there just can be some uh, additional challenges for someone, maybe if they're not uh, familiar with breast augmentation, how that changes imaging and those types of things. So uh, there is the potential that that might, you know, make it a bit more complicated. Um, but uh, I think, you know, if you're in a, a well-developed country, you're going to have people who are fairly experienced with that. You're probably going to receive some guidelines on um, how, what, what a breast augmentation might mean for you in terms of differences in identification. Um, but overall, it doesn't seem like it's a uh, a massive concern unless there's you know rare complications hmm. and also you could argue that like if you're going out and getting a breast job breast job boob job uh, breast augmentation um you would be getting more screening than someone who you know maybe they're waiting until they're fucking 30 odd to get their initial fucking mammogram or whatever you know um so like you could argue that you might pick up cancers earlier if you are getting breast augmentation but again like that's just a uh, an aside there is another thing as well that just on the topic of like boob jobs in general like you will see online a lot of people say that they got some sort of i don't know what the word you know you probably call it some sort of autoimmune or immune reaction to the the breast augmentation like you'll see a lot of people you know put it out there that oh i got rid of my you know breast augmentation, my boob job after five, 10 years, because I was getting all these different symptoms. And that does seem to be the case for some people. And there's, it's kind of poorly understood, at least from my understanding in the, in the research, because there isn't like, Oh, and like an identifiable, like this is exactly what happened. Like, for example, if you had some sort of a very small hole or whatever in the, the implant and you're like, oh, it was actually slowly leaking out silicone or saline or whatever, you know, into the, into the blood system, you could be like, oh, we have an identifiable thing. It was actually just a little bit of a, you know, a, a mistake or whatever, an error. So that was actually the issue. It's not the actual like boob job itself, you know, but I don't think we have very clear evidence for that. Obviously that happens in some cases. So like, obviously, you know, um, but it seems to be that some individuals just get some sort of like generalized inflammatory response to having something else in their body, you know? And um, so it's a bit of a weird one, but that is something that you will see some people say. So, you know, it is something to discuss with the doctor, to discuss with, you know, you know, people that are looking after you in general, like even just asking the question of like, what happens if in five years time I'm, you know, sick as a result of this, what's the protocol, you know, like does the place that you're going to get this done, do they have a, you know, five-year checkup a 10-year checkup or whatever like what's their process are they just going to leave you completely high and dry like you know a lot of people a lot of places will have like oh if you're not happy with this after like you know six months or a year or whatever it is in the specific place they'll be like we have processes in place for like what the next step is like obviously ask about that like if you're, if you're not happy about it like obviously you know but you should also be asking like what happens if i start getting like some sort of health effects from this down the line you know um but I do think some people kind of pathologize it in terms of they're like either looking for something, they're getting some sort of nondescript inflammatory immune response and they're like, oh, could be the boob job, you know? So it, it's kind of hard to say, you know, Divider, have you any thoughts on that? I suppose just with that said, like, I mean, regardless of the type of procedure, I think everyone that considers any surgical procedure could should consider surgery to be a serious intervention because you know anytime you're breaking the skin anytime you're going in and it's saying you know same with my hamstring that was a serious intervention it's like oh it's just a sports surgery you're just you know attaching tendon to bone but anytime you anytime you break the skin anytime you go in there poking around like you have to realize that the the ability to do that safely is so incredibly new like that's totally new to us and complication rates for any surgery are never going to be zero percent so when you consider procedures like this there's always going to be risk of you know delayed healing or post-op infection or bleeding the development of little uh, pockets or uh, swellings of pus all these types of things um, even like people that fucking do it all the time anesthetics like yeah, so many complications, complications of anesthetics, hundred percent. Um, so you should always view this as a 
a serious intervention. You know, sometimes people think that, oh, it's a cosmetic procedure. It's not as serious. It, it always is. Whether you're sick or not, surgery should always be considered to be something that you weigh up the pros and cons. And obviously, in many cases, when people are sick, it's, it's necessary. You know, you, you have to, to get a surgery done. Um, in the absence of that, it might be something that, you know, you pay more attention to the pros and the cons. Do I really want to do this? Do I understand the risks, et cetera? I think that leaves you in a better position um, firstly, for providing informed consent, but long term, if if complications do arise, you're like, well, you know what? I did see this coming. I knew this was a potential uh, event that could happen because sometimes if people haven't been adequately informed or maybe they haven't done their own research, they don't understand, then they get complications and they're just totally blindsided and they, you know, feel like an idiot you see this a lot with uh the turkey teeth situation at the moment you know everyone going away to get their turkey teeth and all you see is these pros and cons uh on tiktok and this type of thing and everyone's delighted and then there are a few horror stories that pop up and then they're like i didn't think this was possible so uh yeah you have to you have to be aware if you're ever if some you're letting someone break the skin cut into your body you need to know what you're doing you're telling me that filing my teeth down into spikes there's no there's no cons with that I know as who would have thought it seriously <laughs> anyway so we talked about you know breast augmentation in general we could obviously have a huge discussion about this all the nuances but that's not what this episode is about training right so you've had your boob job over under you know it doesn't really matter what's going on here how, how does it impact on training Nicola do you want to you want to jump in so Gary doesn't jump in again so this will look different you know like between women like some some women like Gary said will experience you know a lot of complications some women might have more pain um, than another um, there might be you know reduced kind of like wound healing in one woman compared to another so it, it, it really is kind of you know dependent um, I suppose one of the, the biggest things you know if you're a competitor whether that's kind of like bodybuilding powerlifting you know running whatever it is you know you are looking at a certain amount of weeks if not months for you to have a you know a complete kind of return to previous activity so it is even just from a scheduling perspective you want to um make sure that you're kind of leaving enough time between kind of training and like competing um but we're looking at kind of like a slow return to exercise you really want to avoid anything that's going to aggravate kind of you know the chest muscles get your heart rate up too much particularly in that 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 first that initial period so even in the first week, you know, you're looking at just kind of walking, essentially kind of light walking. Um, and then after that, um, you know, kind of about two to three weeks, um, they generally recommend kind of, you know, light cardio, lower body cardio. So like the bike, um, whether that's kind of on the stepper, but kind of at a low intensity um, and, you know, not really having any kind of, you know, kind of pushing, pulling movements um, in the upper body that will um that will kind of aggravate the, the the chest muscles at all um it's really about taking it kind of like one week at a time and kind of building up that that exercise tolerance so you know you're kind of you're not going straight from you know kind of you know five minutes on the stepper to kind of 40 minutes you know by the end of the week it is really like you you have had a big surgery so it is that about that kind of um just slowly kind of building up kind of exercise tolerance um, and then at about kind of four, four to six weeks um, you know you are kind of a lot of women will find that they are able to kind of do kind of maybe a light jog um, you know provided they're wearing proper kind of you know um, like sports bra or compressive bra still um, and then like building up kind of lower body exercises as well strength exercises you know can be appropriate during this time um, and then in terms of upper body, again, you're really just looking at kind of, um, you know, kind of light stretching in, in the upper body. Um, and again, no kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, push ups, kind of pull ups, even things like planks, um, you know, can be just kind of too much tension on, on, on the chest. Yeah. And this is something that actually people forget all the time is that, well, first of all, especially if we've had this under the muscle, like as we said earlier on, like you're basically cutting through the pec, right? Yeah you basically can't use your arms then, <laughs> you know, like people will forget this. And this is really important to understand if you are like, I don't, I don't think you get time off work. I think it's supposed to be like a day procedure for uh, like uh, breast augmentation. So like, it's not like you can go, Oh, I've had major surgery. I need like two weeks off work or whatever, you know, the way like the fucking whatever system treats it. It's like, yo, this is day surgery, you know, but you basically are not going to be able to use your arms, you know, at least for the first, you know, 
couple of days, maybe up to a week. And people forget that it's actually really important because, you know, you use your arms for quite a lot. <laughs> like think about this in terms of like, oh, you're, you're lying down in bed. Try to get out of your bed without using your arms, you know? And it's both arms because, you know, well, presumably you didn't get just one boob done, you know? You got both done, right? So try to get out of bed without using your arms. Like, yeah, you can roll out, but you're still probably using your arms, your shoulders and stuff like that. You're not going to be able to do that at least for the first couple of days. So you have to account for that. You know, don't be just thinking like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be different. I'm just built different. I'm going to be back in the gym in like, you know, a couple of days. It's not going to happen. You know, you're going to need to take some time off. You're probably going to need to take some time off from life <laughs> in general. You know, you're going to need to recover like it's a surgery, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And then after that, like you, you mentioned, it is that slow return to exercise. They do generally say, oh, it's that kind of four to six week mark where you can kind of start getting into some lighter exercise, some lighter upper body movements. Um, but even then, like as an individual, it could be 10 weeks for you. You know, so you can't just take it as, oh, I'm going to be in here four weeks time. I'm going to be back in the gym doing whatever for another individual might happen for you. It, that just might not be the case. And again, it's it's hard to tell exactly what the determining factors are in this, because, again, you could be someone that ha already has quite a lot of muscle and you might be thinking like, oh, like I'm going to be I'm going to be back in the gym. So, so easy. But that means that they have to cut through that muscle. So you've probably got more recovery to actually do than someone that has you know less muscle because they also probably weren't using that much muscle doing different exercises in general so there's so many confounding factors in this that it's impossible to give you an exact timeline but we are generally looking at that kind of four to six week mark now obviously talk to your doctor talk to your surgeon etc they're going to be able to give you a, a better timeline based on your circumstances and um, but once we do get into that kind of four to six week mark, that's probably when people start introducing a little bit more light upper body work, you know, and even after that, because, you know, bringing in light upper body work, that's, it's fairly easy to understand being like, okay, basically just let pain be your guide, see what's happening. Oh, you don't like that movement. Okay. Lay off that movement. Don't be going into it. You know, see what you can actually do. You might be able to do some, you know, maybe some bicep curls or some tricep push. You might be able to do some very like light exercises. Right. Um, but you still have to listen to your body. Right. But even beyond that four to six week mark, there can still be recovery. You know, there can still, well, there definitely is still recovery, but there is going to be some sort of change in how you approach training. Right. But before we get onto that, before we get on to like the longer term stuff, it's probably a good idea to plan when you get this surgery. Right? <laughs> like, and this is something that people kind of forget. Now, if you're a, like a bikini competitor or whatever, like it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier to go, oh, well, I want to compete next year. So I'm going to try to get my, my boob job as far away from that as possible, you know? But just even for the general public, this is something that you should be considering. You should be considering like, when is the most optimal time for me to get this done so that I'm not in an intense training period or I'm not in an intense period of work stress. I can have some downtime, you know, it makes sense to plan that out a little bit. So do either of you have anything to say on you know, planning out, you know, when we have the surgery and if not, we can move on to how we would think about modifying exercise long-term or at least medium term. No, I suppose, you know, in terms of planning, like if you are having, you know, a lot of complications, like your, you know, your surgeon, your GP, you know, whatever, you know, doctor you're going to should support you, will support you through that, you know, and can give you, you know, um, like sick letters, if, you know, if, if post-op recovery is an issue. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, it, it's kind of, yeah, not, not to, you know, return too quickly, particularly if you've kind of more, more of an active job. 100%. Gary, do you mind saying? Oh, I think that's reasonable. So how do we modify exercise long-term? We're out of this you know, four to six week mark. We started bringing in some light exercise. What do we do then? Is there any exercises, movements, whatever that we should be avoiding or you know, be careful about? Yeah, so first, let me say something. This kind of encompasses the first four to six weeks, but also after. I think one of the things that you learn here that's kind of a, a vital lesson is the role of two different things. So one, the fact that when we talk about like pec exercises or pec movements in the gym, um, 
you learn a lot, a lot if you have a surgery like this that oh these muscles are actually involved in a lot of different movements it's absolutely not just the ones that we call chest exercises and that's something that um is often learned after surgery or often learned in the presence of injury because people assume that certain movements are going to be fine because it doesn't involve that movement like you might be thinking oh well you know my pecs are going to be affected because it's in that region but my shoulders will be fine. I can do arm work. I can do rows, all those types of things, but realistically, probably not. And that brings in the, the second issue, which is the question or the importance of skin and the amount of skin that one has. And well, I say this because in some cases people consider cosmetic procedures for, for example, the spare skin around their knee, if they have too much skin and it looks ugly, I've heard of that recently that people want to reduce the amount of skin, but you need an excess of skin there in order to, to permit full knee flexion. And it's a similar phenomenon here where you might think, oh, well, you know, reaching across my body is going to be hard because that's like the pec. But, you know, if you're trying to put a seatbelt on, you have to stretch out all that skin. And if that has a surgical site and it's painful, that's going to be very difficult to do. And very similar when it comes to the gym, if you're doing like rowing type exercises, that might be difficult for a period of time, even just because that skin is tightened, that skin is, you know, scarring, it's maybe a bit sensitive, et cetera. Um, so do recognize that ahead of time, and then you'll be better set up. But when it comes to kind of reintroducing exercise, there are a couple of key considerations. Um, number one, with any chest exercise involving, for example, a barbell, you've now got a new end range of motion, potentially, depending on where you touch the bar on your chest. Okay. Um, so that does vary, of course, but you know, that might, you know, change the path of motion of your movements. Um, it also might be the case that, now, when you come down to a bottom position, there's just a, a different feeling at the end range of motion. Um, and that might vary depending on whether you had the over or under procedure, for example. So you do have to play around with that for a period of time and kind of get used to maybe some differences in, in your normal technique that you might not have had previously. Um, so that's kind of like the chest and the pressing type exercises. But the other one that's definitely really important is um, any sort of chest supported role variation or other chest supported exercise, prone exercises, etc. Um, that's obviously going to be quite uncomfortable initially. And for, for example, if you've gone from a position of having small breasts and now having very large breasts because of the procedure, it now might be the case that those exercises actually aren't very appropriate for you anymore because some some women won't do you know um chest supported exercises if it's applying a lot of pressure on the chest anyway because it's just not particularly comfortable um so that can occur and that might be something that you just need to modify more long term um but other than that it's it really is again one of those kind of classic examples of what we would reintroduce after someone gets injured where you need to figure out initially what feels good, what feels bad, what needs changing, and then gradually re-expose yourself. And what I would say is that after any procedure like this, if you've taken a few weeks off training and you're trying to get back to training, I think a good rule of thumb is give yourself at least the period of time that you were off. So for example, that first six weeks to get back to the training you were at um, before you had the procedure. I think it's a decent rule of thumb where over that six weeks to follow, you start maybe at 30 to 50% of the volume or intensity you were previously doing. And gradually, as the weeks go on, build back up close to your normal training regime, while also being, um, you know, reactive and responsive to any symptoms that you might be having. So I think that's the, the overall theme. Yeah. And I think it is important as well in that time period to really take assessment of what range of motion that you have, what movements or exercises seem to be limited or that you don't enjoy as much now. Like obviously, like you said, like the chest supported exercises are an easy one in terms of you're like, okay, this feels different. Maybe there's a, an adjustment period. Like you've got again, like new boobs, basically you're like, Oh, maybe it's just adjusting to this. Maybe it is a case that you're just like, no, this is just not for me anymore. Like maybe you're doing, I don't know, something like a, a seal row, you know, a chest supported seal row. And you're like, there's just too much pressure here when we're talking about the bar pulling me down. I'm lying on this. You're just like, no, it's not an exercise for me anymore. I'm going to have to choose something different, right? Um, so that's a little bit easy to understand. And obviously, training your chest, you know, there's going to be some modification here, especially if we have had this under the muscle surgery. You're like, okay, my, my muscles on my chest have been operated on. There has to be some sort of you know, change here. Like you've basically cut the muscles, you know? So it's like, okay, you understand that that's fairly intuitive, but like you were saying earlier on Gary, 
there's some movements that you don't initially realize are or that do utilize the the chest quite a lot and some of this is going to be like you said like the skin stuff where you're just like like your skin is stretched now because you've had surgery you've got a scar you've got you know boobs bigger boobs now that you didn't have before like that all stretches the skin but also some of it is going to be the actual muscle itself for example people don't often realize that like putting your arm overhead it's like you're putting your pec in a little bit of a stretch well a lot of a stretched position here you know but that limits you in so many exercises now in terms of like okay i want to train my shoulders can't do it you know i want to do some like you know lat pull down type movement okay can't do it you know so it's not going to be a case of oh i'm only going to have to modify you know chest related exercises and anything that i lie down on no you're probably going to have to modify some like overhead movements some back movements you know anything that basically uses your arms which is your entire upper body now and also you know maybe even stuff that you you usually train your legs might be doing something like a i don't know a bulgarian split squat for example and now even just holding those weights there it's you know the the press of forces you know it's it's just different and maybe it's painful for you but also trying to get dumbbells off the rack for example or trying to put weights onto your squat rack you know you're just like oh i'm going to put the weights onto the bar on the squat it's like your arms have to go overhead for this <laughs> you know, there's so many things that are affected that it might take a while it might be oh i'm fully recovered in terms of there's no real pain at rest at six weeks and i can start lightly exercising but you might still notice that oh, okay i have limited range of motion or i have weakness we'll say you know it's just like i used to be able to lift this much and i used to be able to put the, the 20 kilo on the bar because i know that's actually a, like a really hard exercise <laughs> for a lot of women you know you're you're doing a squat and you're trying to put the 20 kilo onto the fucking actual bar itself you know so like stuff like that can be affected so you're just going to have to take it a little bit slower you're going to have to you know slowly get stronger again and that unfortunately means that you're just going to have to be very patient with yourself, patient with your rate of recovery and patient with, you know, slowly regaining the strength that you previously had. And then we have to also factor in that there may be differences in your overall range of motion. Let's say you again, you get into this, you know, position where you're like, okay, I'm pretty much back to the strength that I previously had. And like Gary noted, you might have changes in the range of motion of like chest exercises, like we're doing a barbell bench press, but you also might have changes in the range of motion of like your pecs ability to stretch, for example, you know, you you did have surgery through that. So it might just take much longer for that to get back to a position where you're like, okay, I can actually get like fully arms overhead or whatever. And you're just going to have to modify exercises to overcome that, you know, for example, maybe you can do some sort of like more incline dumbbell bench press rather than like a fully like shoulder press or something you know maybe for you that's a little bit easier on stretching the pec even though you're like oh well that actually trains the pec you know you're just going to have to modify exercises based on what you present with which can be hard if you are you know just the lay person you're just like okay well how do i change exercises what exercises do i choose i thought these were the best exercises you know Check. Definitely. Just making like a few other things, you know, like we think of like yoga and Pilates as pretty like, you know, kind of gentle, gentle-ish exercises. But like you were saying, like overhead, even like downward dog, that's still kind of having your arms above your head, even though it's kind of in a different, you know, position. So just kind of being aware if you're, you know, you know, after a few weeks trying to get back, you know, into those kind of classes that they might actually be putting a little bit too much tension kind of on, on, on the chest. Um, and things like tennis, golf, where you're using kind of a lot of like arm swing as well, um, you know, kind of just being aware, um, you know, before you kind of restart those, those kind of um, sports as well um, mm. is a big thing. And another thing that um, a lot of women are concerned about with the over and under the muscle. So with the under, like you're saying, it cuts through the muscles. They wonder, you know, are they going to get kind of retain, like regain um, kind of full strength kind of, you know, in, in the pack. Um, and most women do. So just to, to note that as well. 100 and just on those like sports and different classes and stuff like it probably is a better way to go about this if you use the gym more so as your kind of guide like stuff that you can be fully in control of you know so you're just like okay i'm gonna actually do something or even at home like if you're if you're like if pilates is your thing rather than just going straight in jumping into a class just go okay i need to just you know 
do my own Pilates at home, see what I can do, what I can't do, modify the exercises accordingly. Same with yoga as well. Like there's going to be so many moves that you're just not going to be able to do initially. And rather than going to a class and kind of sitting there going like, I feel like shit, I can't do any of these. Like for half the class, you're like, I can't, I can't do this. You know, take some time at home to do it yourself, see what you're actually able to do. And then once you feel more comfortable that you're like, okay, I can do the majority of these poses or I can do the majority of these movements myself and okay i might have to modify this or i might have to do whatever then maybe jump into a class the only reason i say that is because a lot of people will feel like oh i have to go into the class and i have to follow along with the class i have to do what the class is doing and that might not be the best for your individual recovery you know mm-hmm. um so is there anything else go on Nicole? yeah just if, if, if you're a trainer as well just as was communicating you know with with your client like you're saying that there will be difference in kind of range of motion but as well just like the, the comfort of the exercises like you were saying maybe like a prone row also a lot of women find like you know like like chest flies like really uncomfortable just from like a perspective that they can feel the implants kind of you know moving um and like you're they likely also have kind of not a new posture, but they might find themselves a little bit more kind of, you know, contracted forward. Um, so really just about like a lot of women find kind of, you know, rows actually that they feel quite comfortable just kind of building up, building back up kind of their back muscles, um, particularly like upper back kind of rows. Um, so again, just communication is key. 100%. Um, we do have in our notes here, diet to help recovery, but I actually think we'll do a separate episode on that um, because Gary, I think that would be a nice one as well with you, with your, with your hamstring. We can talk about any interventions there because they're more generic. It's not like they're specific to, you know, rest augmentation. Um, so we get stuck into mastectomy. Unless either of you have anything to say to finish off the boob jobs. Fantastic. Mastectomy. What's the story here, Nicola? Um, so a mastectomy essentially is a surgery that removes um, all the tissue um, kind of within a breast. So if a woman has breast cancer um, and there's a lump found, um, it, it will remove all, all the, the, the breast tissue. Um, so and th- there's lots of different um, you know, types of mastectomies that you can get. And I won't kind of go through each of them now. So you might have, um, you might have kind of one of your breasts removed. There might be two of the breasts removed. And again, that'll depend on, you know, if a woman, um, you know, only has one, if they've one affected breast two, or if they've one and they want to reduce the risk of recurrence in the second one as well. Um, and then other women might have um, a mastectomy, like a bilateral mastectomy, like a double mastectomy, um, for risk reduction, even though they've not been diagnosed with breast cancer. So like famously, like Angelina Jolie had, you know, like a double double mastectomy um, to reduce um, her risk. So people might get that if there is, you know, a strong family history of breast cancer or ovarian cancer, or if they've done genetic testing um, and have found kind of genetic mutations like the BRCA1, BRCA2, so they might have that done. So the surgery itself, like I said, there's lots of different variations um, and it just depends on how much is taken away, how much, you know, skin is spared, if there's kind of nipple sparing um, or if there's reconstruction done. So you can have kind of reconstruction, you know, at the time um, of the, the, the mastectomy or some people might have like a, a delayed reconstruction. Um, so the reconstruction will either look like um, an, an implant, you know, like we were just talking about. Um, so and again, there's lots of different kinds of the implants that you can get um, or you can get um, like a flap which is essentially where um, a vasculature and um, kind of like like um, fatty tissue will be taken from one part of the body and then basically implanted in, into the breast. So whether that's kind of like muscle tissue or just kind of, you know, like fatty tissue and vasculature, um, that's typically suited more towards kind of like smaller breasts. And again, it'll depend on kind of you and, and your surgeon and whether you're kind of getting um, radiation um, post-operatively as well. 100%. That's the nuts and bolts of it. Gary, do you want to say that? Yeah, I suppose just um, it is important to note that like, if, if you've had a, a muscle um, reconstruction, so for example, from, from your lats is, is a common one that that can be used to reconstruct the breast, then in that case, that can uh, 
that can have fairly significant implications for training. But I've also, you know, I also know one woman in particular who's incredibly fit, can do chin ups and everything, and doesn't really have much of a lat. So I mean, you know, the body compensates well. But but yeah, just knowing like, is this a muscle that's now gone? How does that modify your training? Is obviously very important. Yeah, with, yeah. So with with the lat, and then also the one that can be taken from like your like abdominal muscles, so your transverse abdominus. Um. So well, a lot of women will like they will there is like a reduced um like muscular strength there, um. But there is kind of a third kind of a flat that you can get like called the deep flat, um, which doesn't actually involve the the muscle, um. So that can be kind of implanted into into the breast, and you don't see that that um reduction in in strength with it either which is good but a lot of the a lot of women kind of will I, me and patty were talking about it before the the before we started you know they there will be kind of a reduction in strength but kind of with strength training that can be like you're saying the body can compensate and they will kind of regain that strength typically kind of six 12 months after 100 um so look we're not going to go into all the nuances of uh mastectomy you know there's a variety of reasons why you know, someone will get a mastectomy. That's not for, for us. Um, but we do have to dive a little bit deeper with it to actually understand the implications for training. But before we do that, is there any kind of complications that we should maybe be aware of? Because that obviously would inform our, you know, approach to training then afterwards. Yeah, so big ones, that's the same for, you know, any kind of surgery. Um, and the breast augmentation is like, you know, like a wound infection and pain. Um, you know, particularly kind of chest wall pain, um, women that have had mastectomies as well, they might have like phantom breast pain as well. Um, and there's also can be a lot of um, like arm morbidity as well, which we'll go into. So kind of reduce kind of um, shoulder function um, range of motion. Um, and there can be um, some nerve damage as well. 100%. Um, now, before we get into the training, we have to also kind of just identify well it, it does actually matter in the grand scheme of things and we talked about this a little bit before the, the podcast as well nicola in terms of like why are we getting the mastectomy you know that's going to potentially influence what we do after that how we think about training but it also influences or it should at least influence your discussion with the doctor for example if you're getting a mastectomy for cancer for example that's going to be very different than if you're getting a mastectomy because you are a trans individual who's going from female to male you know like what you want from that surgery and what you want after that surgery are going to be completely different things for example if you are you know trans female to male you might want to have really well functioning pecs after that you might want really like something completely different than you know i don't know someone that's you know 45 50 and they're just like oh i found a lump and you know now i have breast cancer like if you're going to be a, i don't know a 21 year old and you're going female to male you might be like, right, well, I actually want to be able to build up my pecs. I want to be able to have this kind of like outward masculine appearance. So that's going to change things. That's going to be something that we need to consider. And that is going to be something that you need to talk to your doctor and your surgeon, obviously, about, because it obviously, it does change how we go about things. Now, that is a little bit beyond the scope of the stuff that we're talking about, but I want people to be aware of that you kind of need to think about that stuff, not ahead of time, like obviously ahead of time, but if your doctor says to you like, oh, you have to get a mastectomy because you have, you know, breast cancer, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not like you're going to be like, well, hold on a second. I just need to, you know, think about everything here. You're kind of going, okay, well, I'm going to follow your, your guidelines, the best practices that you're, you're clearly telling me to do, you know? Um, but there are some other reasons someone would get a mastectomy. You know, it's not just like, oh, there's this blanket reason. This is the whatever, you know? Um, do either of you have anything to say on that? I don't think I that. No, yeah. Like, yeah, just you, you were either, you know, in terms of this, getting it because like there is, you know, cancer in the breast or risk reduction is the, the main. Mm, 100%. So how does this change our, our approach to training? Yeah, so with um with this, I think previously a lot of the the mastectomies, um you know, kind of radical mastectomies, they involved they did involve kind of removing um the pec major, but now they do more kind of a modified um, mastectomy uh, which preserves um the pec major. I think it just removes some of the 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 overlying fascia. Um, but what um a lot of women will find 
um, post mastectomy is kind of you know an impaired kind of shoulder function like particular particularly kind of flexion um, abduction and this seems to be more pronounced um, in women if they've had the mastectomy on their kind of dominant side so if you're right-sided dominant not a right-sided um, mastectomy um, there seems to be kind of um, reduced kind of um, range and, and, and strength kind of on that side um, but again when they found that when they did strength training um, that 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 imbalance kind of evened up um which is positive which is good um and then radiation so so some women who've had um, a mastectomy will get radiation to the area afterwards and again that just kind of further reduces the risk of recurrence not everyone will get it again that'll just be down to your doctor um but again there there might be a slightly um reduced range and that's due to kind of fibrosis from from the radiation um and again you know like we we're talking about with the breast augmentation kind of um you know kind of a new posture there might be kind of a lot of pain that you're just kind of you know keeping yourself in in kind of one position for for an extended kind of period of time um you know based on kind of whatever feels comfortable for your body so there's there's kind of I suppose a, a lot going on you know in terms of that yeah, and again, as we said, like it really does depend on why this happened, what's going on after that. Like you said, is there radiation? Maybe we're also on some chemotherapeutics. Like there's so many different things to just keep track of that it can be very uh, well hard for the individual. Obviously, if you're in your breast removed, there's psychological stuff as well with that. Like there's so much going on. Um, but like you said, if we're just talking about the stuff that, you know, we have a little bit more say in it does seem to be the fact that or does seem to be the case at least that you know doing some sort of training once we're able to you can you know ameliorate some of these strength deficits you can kind of get to a position where you're like okay i'm back to close to the function that i wanted to be at or that i previously was at and like gary said that this is the case even if you're getting like some of your muscles like chopped off basically you know and placed elsewhere like you can still like the body is very adaptive you know you can still get back to doing exercises that you enjoy you can still get back to you know movements that you enjoy like yeah there might be changes in function yeah there might be changes in like your overall ability or your overall ability to like fully progress you know like you might be able to like your quote-unquote true genetic potential was to be able to do 100 kilo chin-ups and then you've got like your lap chopped off or whatever it's like okay now you can only ever get up to like 80 kilos or whatever but it's you know i would i would argue that it's the journey not the destination um but that's all stuff that we have to take into account uh when we're going okay well how does our our training how do, how do we modify our training and a lot of the stuff that we talked about in regards to like you know breast augmentation it does apply here in terms of the recovery now the recovery again it depends on why you had the mastectomy it depends on what exactly the mastectomy surgery involved and what was going on maybe again afterwards as well like was it radiation chemotherapy like it depends on all that stuff so the timeline is going to be different but the thought process stays the same in terms of how we approach it you know it's like okay you're going to be off for let's just say for you as an individual you had a mastectomy you know it's three months and then you're able to slowly start getting back into things you know um we're still going to be thinking okay like gary said that kind of rule of thumb we're going to use the next three months to slowly start you know ramping things back up we're going to do the exact same thing we did with the breast augmentation and go okay well what ranges of motion do i have what exercises i'm paying attention to this stuff how does this feel how does this modified like all of that stuff you pay attention to it you keep a note of it and then you effectively track it over time and see, oh, are these things improving? Am I able to get back to the exercises that I enjoy? Am I able to you know, do X, Y, and Z? Oh, I'm not able to do that, but I still want to train these muscles or do whatever. How can I modify these exercises or this exercise selection um, so that I can still train these muscles? You know, um, So it's kind of the exact same, even though these are two completely different like surgeries um anyway, do either of you have anything else to, to say on that because we literally could do a deep dive on this but what are your thoughts yeah no literally i suppose just just a point that with the strength and balance obviously with the upper body once you can return to kind of um you know full training i was looking at kind of unilateral work and particularly if you've had one of the like your 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 lat chopped out if you've had the the lat um flap um done just the unilateral work might be more important then gary any thoughts 
You've been very sure there's too much. I'm not sure there's too much really to add. I think just that point that, you know, the, the body is incredibly competent at, at compensating um, is just really important. And I think mo- almost every muscle in the body has some sort of uh, means of redundancy, you know, or abundance, I should say, that there's there's another muscle or multiple other muscles that can take over its job. You know, if you've had your lat removed, it's like, all right, no problem. You know, the shoulder extensor function can still be taken care of by the teres, the posterior delts, line of triceps. There's still plenty that can keep that function going. And I suppose like, that's just something to that the, the, the one area that where there won't be compensation or, you know, an, an equal presentation is going to be in, the uh, aesthetic side of things long term so obviously that can be difficult if maybe your physique was really important to you and you were into you know developing a symmetrical physique obviously you're not going to have a symmetrical appearance in your back if you've had your lat um or if you've had a, a, a lat procedure so uh that's just something that you will get used to over time and i think a lot of people once they have restored their function and they're able to show that hey look i'm strong despite this uh i don't I don't think the aesthetic side of things will hold you back too much, really, unless unless you were competing, you know, obviously. But uh, yeah, the function side of things, you'll be fine long term. Hundred percent. I mean, I've nothing really else to to add to this. Um, so you want to wrap it up, Gary, or unless Nicola, you have anything else to to note? No, all good. Perfect. I think in summary, uh, before you have any surgical procedure, you should try to understand the pros and cons in some cases obviously mastectomy for breast cancer surgery it's a lot more necessary um so you might just have to accept more of those risks if it's something like a cosmetic procedure then maybe you accept less risks that's totally up to you and your uh, risk matrix but you should understand the complications you should understand what's potentially coming your way both short and long term that will help you make an informed decision once you've had your procedure regardless of which it is understand that there's a healing period afterwards and what's going to serve you best long term is to facilitate that short-term healing so particularly relevant for our audience of you know fit fam nutters who want to get back to the gym asap just take your time. Okay. It'll serve you much better long-term. Don't be trying to, you know, expedite the process and get in, you know, to the gym with, you know, you still have a a scar that's quite fresh. Like it's just not wise to do that type of thing. Some people do, but it's not wise. So take your time. Uh, That will serve you long-term. And then once you do get back to the gym, just treat it like, you know, any other injury. Appreciate, yes, there are some movements that are very likely to be uncomfortable and very likely to be inappropriate to reintroduce, but gradually reintroduce over time, see what's comfortable, start at maybe 30 to 50% of your previous training program and build up over the course of, you know, at least six weeks, potentially longer. Um, after mastectomy, if you've had, as, as we said, radiation, maybe there's chemotherapy or other uh, medications involved, there might be additional modifications to that timeline, uh, depending on how well you are. But uh, yeah, just take your time and you'll be fine. So with all that said, um, breast surgeries are not. We do have coaching spaces available. So if you're interested in the coaching process, then we'd be happy to take you on. We have a lot of different coaches on the team now, all of whom are incredibly competent. Very proud of that. And uh, if you'd like to apply for a spot, you can do so in the description box below or by contacting any of us on social media. We do also have a lot of content that we put out for free. So make sure you're following along, follow along on Instagram. You'll find everything else. Also subscribe to the newsletter. It goes out weekly. It's content that doesn't go on our social media. And I like to think that it's quite valuable. So subscribe to that again in the description box below. Um, Other than that, we have, you know, our little education portal still tipping away to be evolving very soon. That's the coach's corner. If you'd like to subscribe, you can uh, do so. And uh, it will it will afford you some advantages in future in terms of other uh, services that we'll be offering. And I won't say any more than that. Um, other than that, I think that's everything. If you'd like to leave a review on the podcast or share it with friends, family, acquaintances, enemies, we really would appreciate that. Your enemies are our enemies. So uh, make sure they at least get good information. Now, I think that's everything. Anyone else have anything else to add before we say goodbye? No, I have nothing. Very good. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. We'll see you soon.